0: Welcome to the Fit Dad Club podcast. My name is Travis Jones. I'm here with Jason Barrett today, and we are talking all things fat loss and body transformation for dads.
1: Jace, how are you doing, buddy? I'm doing good, man. I'm ready to bust some myths wide open and uh, get rid of some of the BS in the industry.
0: <laughs> exactly, man. I think that's the podcast topic we're going to cover today. It's all about myths. It's all about... Maybe some of the misconceptions that the dads out there have on how to lose fat and transform their body. Um, I talk to a lot of dads who think they have to do cardio or have to eat low calories or go low carb. You know, so many guys um, that I've trained over the last so many years, you know, allow them to have beers and some burgers and, you know, have some at home pizzas. And they're like, wow, I'm losing more weight than I ever have in my life. I'm eating. Know, more food. I'm eating more carbohydrates. It's like this is in, insane, and uh, you know I only have to train three hours a week. Like I, I thought I had to, you know, run every day. So I think today is going to be a great one for you to, if you're driving, um, you know, listen and then write some notes, um, or if not, get a pad out and pen, or just listen cl- clearly and carefully of you know what stuff that you shouldn't really be wasting your time on because we only have so many hours in the day. And I don't want you to waste those precious hours on doing shit that just does not work. Mm-hmm. So Chase, um, what do you reckon um, is a top myth that you've heard in the fitness industry?
1: Well, I reckon the biggest one, because I used to uh, sell supplements, right? I used to be in a supplement selling company. We would buy and resell um, not uh, not any of those, you know, not, not quote unquote supplements, um, but legitimate ones. And the biggest thing that people would come to me for was fat burning supplements and fat loss supplements. Yeah. They would it, It's so pervasive. The idea that there's going to be a powder or a pill that you're going to take that's going to dramatically increase the amount of fat you burn or make sure that you build muscle or whatever it is, right? It's like anything that's going to have anywhere near the effect that you want it to have is going to be probably illegal and injectable, right? So when you're considering the marketing that goes behind these things, right? They've got people who are already jacked, who are already shredded, who are already huge, doing all this stuff. Like, oh yeah, I take you know shred or Hydroxy Burn or whatever it is. The best ingredient that you can take for fat loss, the best um, supplement, is pretty much caffeine, right? it gives you it give you enough caffeine where you get jitters and you shake around a bit yeah that's going to burn a lot of calories right but it's it's going to give you a little bit more energy you're going to be a little bit more um a little bit more fat burning but even that is minuscule so any marketing any supplement that is telling you it's going to burn more fat it's going to help you build muscle it's going to be a furnace and you're going to shred like they, they use all that language that's so evocative like oh yeah i'm going to turn into a fat burning furnace and it's going to melt off it's like no it's not no. it's not going to do shit. and even Bleh. more so it's not going to do shit in comparison to a poor diet right mm. like this will help you lose weight in conjunction with a regular diet and exercise? Well, a regular diet and exercise is going to help you lose that fat anyway. So it's just that little placebo effect that you think you're getting the result from it, but you're not. Um, So anyone that's trying to sell you a supplement that is going to burn you any level of extra fat is is a complete BS artist. Please don't buy it.
0: Mate, I completely agree. I think when we look at it, caffeine being the biggest legal supplement especially in Australia um obviously if you're in another country there's being hcl that actually does have some um benefits if we're looking at back in the day they used to sell um when I lived in Canada there was like an ECA stack which is ephedrine caffeine and aspirin and you'd take that that definitely did work um yeah. so <laughs> that's that's not in Australia and there's yohimbine um and i, I think so when we're looking at the Australian market, and if you are in the other countries, hey, go for it. Uh, but if you're looking in the Australian market, um, obviously go see your doctor first so you don't have a heart attack. Uh, but caffeine's the biggest thing. And then people say, oh, no, but I've taken this uh, green tea, um, caffeine, you know, fat loss powder, and it helped me sweat so much more in my workouts. like, well, sweat, sweat doesn't mean you're burning more fat, guys. Mm. Like there is no direct correlation between sweat and fat loss. Okay. So we need to understand, okay, what is going to actually help? Hey, mate, like they get a pre workout. If you don't want to buy a pre workout, drop a couple of no like literally some caffeine, just get them straight into your system. Do it about, you know, 20, 30 minutes before you, your workout and you'll be smashing it out and you'll probably get some sweat as well. You know, do a, a double espresso or a triple espresso before you work out. You get 150 milligrams of caffeine in there as well. That is. When we're looking at the actual research behind things like caffeine is really the only legal supplement especially in australia that is going to increase your metabolism you know slightly to help you in aid in fat loss and the only thing that you know the best supplement to be honest obviously with fat loss is a calorie deficit if you're in a calorie deficit you lose fat and that's what we have to look at so you know We look at the hierarchy of importance adherence is you know number one to to lose weight you know calories is second you know the third is making sure we're hitting our protein correctly um you know above that we have a bit of meal timing Uh, it's really just like it's a small percentage and above that there's supplements so it's, it's honestly the last thing that we need to be looking at but it's the first thing that people actually do look at so Cut the BS, drop the fat burning supplements. You know, you just say we just saved you at least $100 a, a month and probably 1200 bucks a year. So you can go to fit dad.club and book in a consultation form and, you know, we can do you some coaching and actually get you the results if you like. Um, but that is the number one, um, the number one you know, myth at the, at the end of the day. People yeah. think that I need a fat burning supplement. No, you don't. You just need a calorie deficit. Now, I think,
1: yeah, go, it's, go, it's, it's probably the most, the most, uh, the most heavily bought into for the least result. There are other myths that are out there that look, they have still have a relative positive benefit. They still have a bit of, you know, there's a bit of merit to still doing them and they'll probably get you results. But I've, to me, this is just, it's just number one, because it's the, the biggest waste of money for the least amount of results.
0: Oh mate, hundred percent. Um, next one, I get asked this a lot as well. It's like, I just want to get rid of my belly fat. I was like, I was like, I'll talk to someone and like, yeah, I'm 90 kilos, but I don't want to lose weight. I just want to get rid of my belly fat. Okay. Well, there's no exercise that targets reduction of belly fat, right? Mm -hmm. So we have to look at there is fat loss and there is muscle gain. If we're doing work, essentially direct core based work, you know, building our abs, that is not going to help you lose fat. We can't target our abs to drop the fat. We can target them to build and hypertrophy and build the muscle. But if you just got a gut on top of it, you're still going to have a gut. So we have to drop the fat and then gain the lean muscle mass. The same as like you've got, you know, you don't like all of a sudden start doing bicep curls and you're dropping the fat off your arm. No, you're building your bicep. It's exactly the same thing. So there's no specific exercise. And that's why people say, oh, there's not much core stuff. You know, we're not doing too many ab crunches inside the workouts. It's like, no. We're doing squats, we're doing deadlifts, we're doing lunges, we're doing pressing movements. Why? Because they're the biggest compound movements they are going to help you build lean muscle mass, which then, and also burn the most calories, which then is going to help you drop fat faster than you're laying on the ground and doing some form of Jane Fonda, um, Gene Simmons, ab style crunch. We, we, not Gene Simmons, what's the the guy? Um, Gene? I know he sold a lot of things back in the day, as far as his aerobics. Um, (laughs) We're not doing Gene. (laughs) We're not doing Gene Simmons. It wasn't, he was like, uh, you could do a lot of Coke. I think he burned some fat. (laughs) Um, But (laughs) that could be another fat loss supplement. Go back up there. Um, um, But mate, do you ever get asked that? You know, can I target my fat, my love handles, my back fat or anything like that?
1: Yeah. It's, it's, it is another pervasive one, everyone. And especially for guys, right? Like, Biologically, everyone's going to hold fat in different places. That's going to be resultant of your genetics, right? Like if you look at um, if you look at you know not to go into it too deep, but to different um, you know different races and different nationalities, um, you'll tend to see that people will, from a genetic standpoint, will hold weight differently from um you know from different genealogies like i notice a lot of um a lot of people who are like islanders like you know you've got new zealand people from hawaii they'll tend to hold a lot of their fat more so in their lower body and their legs than they will um you know in other places right whereas for a lot of westerners it'll tend to be around those sort of love handles right they'll get they'll kind of be relatively evenly distributed it'll be more like love handles and and um like lower belly and if you think about your, um, your body as like, if you think about from the top and then from the bottom, as you lose fat, you'll tend to, it'll tend to kind of concertina down and it'll like from your head down and from your feet up, it'll meet in the middle somewhere. And that's basically going to be like the last place that you lose body fat. And like everything else will lean out until it's at that point. And there might come a point where it's just, if you want to get that little bit of extra body fat off down the very bottom, it might be just an unsustainable, unrealistic level of body fat for you to hold at, And that's okay. Um, but you've just got to know that with enough time and enough effort, right? You build enough muscle and you lose enough body fat, the skin will stretch tight. It'll, that's what creates the appearance of abs. You have enough muscle mass and you have a low enough body fat that the skin stretches tight over your abs. If you lose a hell of a lot of weight, it might take a bit of time for that skin to, to tighten up not. again but there's like, there's nothing that you can do to say, I'm going to burn fat in this specific area. Your body kind of already determines that. So you've just got to keep on going until you hit the point where you're happy with. And if that's beyond what you're comfortable with doing for a long time, like from a long term plan perspective, then it might just not be worth it. And then it's just about accepting that I'm never going to have the, the shredded, the shredded dick abs, the veiny abs that that go all the way down. Um, but you know, maybe you're going to have some real fantastic quads. You're going to have some, you know, striations there. You just got to, you got to own what you've got.
0: Exactly, mate. Just start wearing the budgie smugglers and get the quads out. So (laughs) I think I tell most of my guys, it's like, um, it's like a squeezing out toothpaste, right? So it's like it comes down face visually first, then neck, then you get your arms. And then like your chest is leaning out, then comes to the top of the abs. And then you all of a sudden you start seeing the shoulders pop because you have a clear um, distinction between bicep to to deltoids. So the shoulders start coming out like, you know, cannonballs on your shoulders and then sort of starts squeezing its way down to middle abs. And then those lower abs sort of start to level out. You got a flat stomach. And as you get leaner, it's all of a sudden the abs start to pop more and more. I think when we're looking at it, that's generally how most guys go. Um, the reason why we do carry predominantly and is it does depend on um, you know, some backgrounds, but it's because there's less blood flow around the gut or at the end of the day. So with the higher amounts of blood flow um, to oxidize fat or to lose fat, what we need to do is we need to have high blood flow, right? So, so that's why we lose higher amounts of fat in different areas first. and Then lower blood flow, well, that's where we mobilize fat the slowest. It comes down to alpha receptors and beta receptors and the catecholamines attaching to it. So we have higher amounts of alpha receptors around our gut as males. Females have it more around their thighs and their hips. That's why generally speaking, they carry more fat, um, in their thighs and hips. So it's like, okay, we know that this is, is what happens. So we, oh, I just want to lose it off my fat. It's like, no, nah, man, you got some man boobs. We need to lose those first at the end of the day. Uh, yeah. we we need to drop fat and. We doing all the crunches isn't going to help doing a calorie deficit and some strength training definitely will because we want to maintain as much muscle mass as possible whilst we're dropping fat because that is the key. And I think mm. that's, this is the segue into the next myth, right? The next myth I would say is, hey, Jace, don't I, can I just, am I supposed to be running an hour a day and that's how I lose fat? What's the yeah. best training to lose fat? Isn't it just cardio?
1: Yeah. Running, running is the key, man. You just, just go for a jog, just jog on. Um, no. So this is a big one that a lot of guys, they, they'll put rules and they'll put ideas around. Well, you have to run to get, you know, to lose fat. Cause it's, it's a nice idea. And this is the problem that a lot of people who want to pitch their way of training, their way of diet, their book, whatever it might be, is they'll focus in on what is, oh, logically, that makes sense. That's a really nice idea. Yeah, because I'm exhausted and I sweat a lot when I'm running. And we already talked about that sweat doesn't equal fat loss, right? It's, you know, otherwise people could just sit in a sauna all day and burn fat. It's like, oh, there's a little bit of an effect, but not not the amount you think. You just live in a hot country, right? Um, you know, you just, you get nervous and you sweat. doesn't mean you're getting fit. So. People think that just running is is such a big one. And they would just say, oh, I'm just gonna go for a run because this it has a visceral response. You feel really good. You go for a jog. You're just like, oh yeah, like I am I feel like I'm doing something good. It's this placebo effect that goes on in your head. And that's that's what a lot of people capitalize on. But at the end of the day, no one particular form of movement is going to be best from an energy expenditure perspective, from like a fat loss perspective. If you're equating for time and you're equating for effort, at the end of the day no movement in particular is the best but resistance training trumps cardio from a fat loss perspective not because it burns more fat but because it helps us retain and keep more muscle, the the principle I talk about here is if you don't use it, you lose it, your body operates the same way. So if you're in a calorie deficit, your body's looking for fuel, where does it get that fuel from it gets what you've already got your your fat stores, if you don't have enough fat stores, or you've, um, or you're in a bigger, a fairly big deficit, it's also going to look to things like organ mass and muscle mass for energy. Now. This is where the principle of if you don't use it, you lose it comes in. If you're running a lot, yeah, you, you might maintain your level of muscle mass in your carbs and your your um, you know, your hammies and your glutes and your quads for a little bit because you're using them constantly, um, but you're not necessarily challenging. You're challenging one type of muscle fiber, but you're not challenging others and you're not challenging anything in your upper body. You're not using, in a, um, in essence, the muscle mass and the muscle fibers in your upper body Whereas resistance training, weight training, if you're using that, if you're doing that consistently, you're essentially signaling to your body, hey, we need to keep this muscle mass around. It's useful. It's doing shit, right? I'm doing push-ups. I'm doing, you know, shoulder presses. I'm doing rows. I'm doing pull-ups, all that kind of stuff. You're getting, um, you're you're signaling to your body to have some more muscle protein synthesis. You're signaling to it to build muscle, to retain as much muscle as possible because, hey, we're using this. It's important. You don't get that with just cardio. You don't get that with just running. You're challenging only one type of muscle fiber and you're challenging it in one certain way uh, for a small period of your body and you're just getting your heart rate up there, which look, from a cardio perspective, yeah, plenty of benefits. Same with any type of cardio, right? You still want to include that from a general health and well-being perspective. But for fat loss, if you're not incorporating some kind of resistance training, you're leaving um, gains on the table. You're leaving potentially, like let's say you lose 800 grams a week for example, 400 grams of that might be body fat. And let's say 400 grams of that is muscle mass. If you're going for cardio, if you introduce weight training, you might end up with 600 grams of that being fat and then 200 grams of that being muscle mass because you've shifted the ratio, which means you're gonna hit your goals quicker. At the end of it, you're gonna look a hell of a lot better and you're gonna have retained more muscle, which is better all around for all of your goals, right? Uh, No one, no such thing as too much muscle, right? Unless you get on the anabolics and then you can't wipe your own ass, but that's a different story.
0: Yeah, man, I I think, I honestly agree. I think we look at it, I normally tell, the the way I explain it to people is like, we diet to lose fat, we train to preserve muscle. So that's when we're looking in a a, a body fat loss phase. So we're dieting and our dieting is all around losing um, that fat mass and we're training to preserve as much muscle as possible. I go, okay, well then which type of training preserves our muscle the best Well, going for a spin class or doing some yoga is not going to help that you know doing some weight training definitely is so we preserve the muscle mask as our body is becoming catabolic right so our body is breaking itself down so if we're eating enough protein which gives us amino acids and we're actually doing resistance training to put stress on the muscle we're going to retain that muscle then we're going to use We're going to lose fat primarily in the fat loss process rather than if we're not putting stress on the muscle mass and we start doing fucking Weight Watchers um, and we're just losing weight, all of a sudden you're around, you're an apple, you know, your body shape. And then all of a sudden you're just a smaller apple. You end up up being a, a skinny fat version of yourself rather than a fat, fat version of yourself. And no one wants to be skinny fat. No one I ever talked to. If I said to them, it's like, hey, dude, I can get you some abs. I can get you some shoulders and some arms. Would you like it if I could click my fingers? they would say yes. So in reality is everyone would like a little bit of muscle mass. Everyone wants to feel strong and everyone does want to feel somewhat lean. You don't get lean. You don't get strong going for a run and you don't get lean going for a run. Um, And we, we don't get like build that lean muscle mass going for a run either. So cardiovascular exercise is good to burn a few more calories, but that is, again, if we're looking at the supplements, okay, when we talked about that earlier, that's the top of the pyramid. If we're looking at the bottom of our pyramid as far as our training, it's like, okay, we've got to have adherence. Okay, next we need to have some weight training. We need to put some you know, resistance against the muscles. And then we can start sprinkling on top of that a little bit of cardio for a bit of heart health and to burn a couple of extra calories. And that's the biggest thing I want to look at. It's like the, And also it's, it's the best as far as weight training You know, when we're looking at time. So it's 45 minutes of training. We can always lift about that two two reps in reserve or two reps from failure and your strength can always go up. And with our running, we have to run longer and longer. So our training actually has to start um, extending the amount of time we're training for to burn a similar amount of calories. So if we look at it, lift some weights, pick things up, put them back down and then start picking up heavier things and putting them back down as well. And that is the myth bastard for cardio is great for fat loss. Um, Next is... Um, high reps, low weight for fat loss. Um, now I actually get still get asked this. No, no. It's like, and even with guys, it's like, shouldn't we be doing like, you know, high reps, like 20 reps and doing low weight? Um, for me, I, I look at this. So optimal lean mass. Okay. Um, so we want to put stress on against the muscle. We always want to be training you know, mainly between two reps in reserve, which means two reps before you fail. If it says 15 reps and you can lift 17 reps and then you'd collapse, that's two, re- or two reps from failure or two reps in reserve. So if it says 12 reps and, you know, two reps in reserve it means you could have lifted 14. So, you know, you can build muscle all the way up to, you know, 30 reps to 35 reps. You can build muscle at six reps. You can build muscle at 12 reps. It doesn't matter. But when we start going on to the lower end of the rep range, what happens is it starts hitting our nervous system even more. So when we start doing strength protocols and we start lifting really heavy, our nervous system gets a bit fried and then we get to fatigue easier, especially with like new, newer beginner lifters. So I definitely wouldn't suggest that. And if we're doing like 30 to 35 reps of an exercise and we're doing it two reps from failure, imagine jumping on a leg press or doing back squats, two reps from failure um, at 30 to 35 reps. The reason why we don't do that is it is vomit inducing. Okay, it will make you hate your workout, not want to turn up to the gym and fucking never come back. You're like, this is not for me. So the the real reason, right, we, we stick between somewhere between eight to 15 reps for most of the programming is purely due to the fact that. One, it's not too much on the nervous system, and it's not too much on the vomit-inducing. We still say two reps in reserve, and we can have adequate form through that those uh, rep ranges as well. And that's the true muscle-building zone for no other reason than the fact that it's the comfortable zone of, okay, I can do this. And, you know, going two reps from failure isn't going to make me nervous system fry or want to vomit. And if we're looking at that, that doesn't mean high reps help you lose weight faster or low reps help you lose weight faster. Remember, we train to preserve muscle. So which Mm. is the rep range which allows us to preserve muscle the most? Uh, Somewhere between that eight to 15. As long as you're hitting somewhere between one to three reps in reserve, uh, one to three reps from failure is exactly the amount of reps. And the amount of weight that you should be lifting and every single person is different as far as how much weight they lift, because that comes out to, you know, where you are in your training age.
1: Yeah. hundred percent. Like everyone's going to have a different, um, like you, yeah, that's why we don't judge people for how much weight they lift. Like I would go in the gym. There's definitely some upper body movements I can do that are better than my lower body at the moment. Cause I've had some lower back challenges and I'm focusing a lot more on mobility. Like I even saw a PT in the gym the other day I was doing, um, squats on the Smith machine because using the Smith machine, I'm able to get a, a vertical back angle so that my lower back doesn't come into it. And it's like all quad you got to think about the exercises you're doing for the purpose that they're built for. There might be some exercises where like, if I was doing a, um, like chest flyers and I was doing it for a sets of six, like on the cables, that's not really gonna hit my chest as much as it probably is like my shoulders and my abs and like trying to just bring this thing forward. Um, But for me, higher reps on that, i smoke my chest. And that's the point of that exercise. If you are doing exercises in a way where they train different muscles than what you want, like if you're doing a set of 25 squats, you probably have to go with such a light weight that your quads are gonna be fine but your, your core, your back, your, your, you know, everything else is just going to be like your cardio is going to be gassed and you're going to want to vomit, but your quads like, oh, I could do more because you only had you know 30 kilos on me and there's, you know, what the fuck am I meant to do? So mm. think about what muscles you're trying to train when you're training them. And is like, am I getting the response out of this? Like if you're benching and you're feeling your shoulder, that's not exactly ideal, right? If you're doing pull-ups and you're feeling only your biceps, like, all right, well, we want to try and hit the muscles that we want to hit. That's why we do the exercises that we do. So we get a nice spread of, of, exercise the higher 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 reps as travis was saying they just all they do is they they build up a shit ton of metabolites you're going to get sore as hell you can't keep no one can tell me that they could do 30 good reps of almost any exercise you get like in today's day and age you get bored like fucking hell, you know i need to take a you take a break halfway through guess what then that's actually just two sets of 15 yeah that's the magic number right. um but anywhere between that you, you just got to find the range for each exercise that works for you right we obviously we have an ideal Sort of set between eight and 15 or so it tends to be good for most people any more than 15 you start to get bored you can't really complete that many good reps with a good mind muscle connection for everything that you're doing um and any less than sort of eight or six then yeah you're you're in that strength range where you're going to beat up your joints and your nervous system and it's going to take a central nervous system time to recover before you can attempt doing that session again and let's say you've got to train again in two days time you're you're beat up you're exhausted you can't give that session it's all so by no means do you have to do a crap ton of of uh of reps in order for you to build um you know in order for you to to retain muscle and and you know for you to lose body fat in essence um as long as you're as travis saying we're training to retain muscle and your focus is to retain muscle when you're training that that sort of range is going to be the best and finding the one that works for you where you don't feel too beat up right that's why i don't do low um low rep high weight anymore because it beats up my lower back it, it it struggles from that perspective so you've got to find what works for you but by no means is anything more than 15 necessary
0: dude 100 percent. i think as we transition out of the myths around training we're going to go into the myths around nutrition right and i think You know, we'll we'll go through one of them as we go through one at a time. So I think the myth is like low fat diets are the best for fat loss. And I think Hmm. this was popularized a while ago, but still some people go towards a low fat diet. And I think the biggest reason why people or the low fat diet was introduced is because there's macronutrients, there's protein, there's fats and there's carbs. You know, for every gram of protein there's four calories for every gram of uh, carbohydrate, there's four calories. And for every gram of fat, there's nine calories. So if we look at the three and we looked at this in isolation, it's like, whoa, okay, well, the macronutrient that contains the highest amount of calories is fats. That's that's like double. So I can eat more food if I just cut out the the fats and I'll still lose weight. So when we look at it, that's one of the biggest reasons I believe that low-fat diets um, people thought are the best for fat loss because it cuts out the most amount of calories with Minimal amount of effort, um, when reality is like you know, cheese is amazing. We we don't want to cut out cheese. We we don't want to cut out um, you know like a good steak. We don't want to cut out a burger. You know, we don't want to cut out these things with fats that actually make our food taste fantastic. Um, so. That I believe is the reason why low fat diets came around. But if we start going below that sort of 15 to 20% of our total calories in fats, it starts to play with our hormone levels. So testosterone starts to decrease. All of a sudden, we start to feel like a bit less of a man. We start to, you know, not be able to gain that lean muscle mass that we're after. So, you can decrease fat slightly if you're a more carb dominant person. You love having carbohydrates, but I really wouldn't go below that sort of fifteen to twenty percent threshold. So that means if you have a two thousand calorie diet, really don't go below that sort of you know three two hundred to sorry three hundred to four hundred calories of fat. Fats would be the lower limit, which would be about you know forty to forty five grams of fats on a daily basis. Have you got any thoughts around the, the low fat diets, mate?
1: I think one thing to remember is that there are specific vitamins and minerals that are fat soluble as well. When you think about the, like there's water soluble and there's fat soluble, there's also alcohol soluble, but uh, that doesn't mean we need to have red wine every night, Um, but there are fat soluble vitamins and minerals that are important as well. So the fats and proteins are the only two where you tend to have a minimum recommended amount to hit. Like for proteins, there's essential amino acids for fats. There's essential fatty acids right? Now, this is probably going to dovetail nicely into the next nutrition myth, but it's important for us to make sure we hit a minimum of fat and a minimum of protein. Um, I agree. I think it came about because yeah, it's fat is the most calorie dense. Um, It's very easy if you cut out fat and this is, fats are probably the easiest thing to blow out on for a lot of people. Mm. When you think about just plain white rice, it's very hard to overeat. We think about, you know, a plain pasta, hard to overeat, but you chuck in some cheese and some creamy sauce, all of a sudden you can smash a carbonara, bacon bits, you know, all of that stuff it creates a an umptuousness like you know you want to have more of it. Um but in reality it's the combination of highly palatable carbs and highly palatable fats that work together to create this um this food. There's a I remember there was a book by um Christa Scott Dixon who's um one of the one of the founders and one of the um lectures i think for precision nutrition it does a lot of good stuff but it's like uh, i think it was called why me want to eat and it's like the key to you know gooey yummy fatty chewy crunchy foods like all these little um manufactured things to make your brain go oh yes i want this right and it's it's never one macronutrient it's never just fats or just carbs it's a combination of both and textures and and all of the other different shit that goes on with it so there is no one evil, right? Fat was an easy one because it helps you cut out a lot of flavor. So you don't, when food tastes bland, you don't tend to overeat it, but as well, it cuts out a hell of a lot of calories because it tends to be what adds the most, right? If you go for a lean cut of beef over a fatty cut, right? You're having a, chicken thigh with skin on versus a chicken breast. If you just make that swap, that automatically makes a hell of a big difference, um, to your day. But then if you continue that over the long term, it doesn't tend to be the healthiest if you're going dropping below the threshold. Um, but that kind of dovetails nicely into the second one that I think a lot of people hear, and it's probably a hell of a lot more prevalent now, which is demonizing carbohydrates or low carb is the way to do it because there's no essential carbohydrates. So why should we have them in our body?
0: mate 100 percent. i think when we look at this it's normally because of the fact that someone's gone on a low carb diet they're like i lost so much weight um and it's like dude no you lost glycogen right the mm. average person um stores around sort of two kilos to three kilos of glycogen inside their body so if you start dropping carbohydrates yeah you go and you go into a calorie deficit in that first seven days, you might lose 500 grams to a kilo of fat, but then you lose another three kilos in water weight. And you're like, oh shit, see, look, carb- low carb diets work. It's like, no, you still lost the same amount of fat. You just lost a lot of water weight. And then when you add those carbohydrates back in, then you're going to put that weight back on. So again, when we look at it, it's like carbohydrates, obviously they aren't essential like fats and proteins, um, but they're great energy source, right? Like if we want to train hard, you know, We want to have carbohydrates. We, we lean on carbohydrates for the glycogen, for training. Um, so I think in this, the low-carb diets, uh, again, it's the easiest thing to demonize a macronutrient and go, hey, you're not losing weight because of this one specific macronutrient. It's the carbohydrates or it's the fat or it's the protein, or it's the whatever it is, right? And I think if you look at it, it's like we're demonizing a food group. One, the worst thing it does is it leads to eating disorders. And now there's good and bad foods when there's no such thing as good and bad foods. And like, you know, the the second thing is like, man, like carbs taste great. Like I I don't want to go my life without eating pizza. And Mm. I think, you know, we need to go, okay, there is a certain amount of carbs um, that we can be eating but we don't need to cut carbs to lose weight. We need to be in a calorie deficit to lose weight.
1: Hmm. That's what every popular diet manages. is. They are sneaky in the way that they do it. And they'll try and, um, they'll try and baffle you with their bullshit in order to get you to buy into it. And this is, is kind of where the idea um, to me of absolutism in any fitness endeavor is, is you've really got to be aware of, and it's unfortunate, it's sad, but all of, the, all of the sexy answers are generally bullshit. All of the, this is the one way, the right way, the only way is bullshit. As, as much as most people don't wanna hear it, the best answer you can hear from your coach when you ask them a question is usually, yeah, it depends. Right. Mm. That's, that's the unsexy answer that I'll give 99.9% of the time to any question that's asked to me, because I mean, I'm, I'm a nerd on the details and and the context and all right, well, it depends in this situation, this might be useful, but in this situation, you know, depends on your lifestyle. It depends on a lot of different things. Whereas some people will just say, Oh yeah, because carbs the devil, right. Because fruit is fruit and grains are bad for you. Right. All of this other bullshit, but there are like, if you think about, Oh, low carb, because carbs are bad for you. Fruits are predominantly mostly carbs, right? Pretty much all carbs. Yep. Right. If you are listening to someone who's telling you that fruits and vegetables are bad for you in this day and age, I got some, I I just, you know, I got no words for you at this point. Stop listening to them.
0: Yeah, exactly. They've
1: got really good marketing (laughs) behind them and they uh, take extra, extra uh, curricular supplements to look the way they look and then lie about it. Right. Hashtag liver King. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much, pretty much what happens with a lot of, a lot of them, they'll, they'll preach absolutism and this is the way it is. And this is really bad because of this. And these are the reasons why, whatever, but. Carbs are useful. Carbs are energy. Carbs have vitamins and minerals in them. Carbs oftentimes come with the um, highest amount of fiber as well. And they'll tend to be things that slow down digestion and, 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 um, and you know, keep us fuller for longer. Uh, I don't know about you. I have a bowl of oats in the morning and you mm. know, mix that in with some protein powder. That fills me up for ages. The, just the fiber and the nutritional value of it is quite high. Um, but as you said as well, enjoyment is a factor of life. If you enjoy eating super low carb. And you're like, I could just get by in life by just eating. Yeah. I'll just have chicken thighs and I'm going to eat steak and I'm going to have eggs and, and, you know, even mix that with some avocado and veggies and whatever. And I'll enjoy life. Awesome. Good for you. Enjoy. I'm not about that life, right? I love carbs. I'm a carb man it's 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 a you know it's a fact of life for me i'm going to enjoy them so i'm going to include them they also provide you with a source of energy to hit those workouts really hard if you can time it right and you have some some carbohydrates before you train right if you have some carbohydrates after you train frame them around your workout windows you'll get far better performance out of yourself because you've got more readily available energy and so it's not it's not that there's no essential carbohydrates but it is your body's preferred source of fuel right? If it has the choice between carbohydrates and fats and proteins, it'll choose carbs first. That's where a lot of people get the, the, the demonization wrong. They'll say, oh, because carbs, they um, because they're if you take that away, then your body has no choice but to burn fat. And it's like, well, yes, that's true, but it'll burn the dietary fat first. So if you're eating just a shit ton of fat in your diet, it'll burn all of that before it even bothers touching your body fat. So if you, as long as you have a calorie deficit, it'll burn through your carbs and just say, oh, what's next? All right, well, I'm going to convert body fat into glucose and I'm going to use that and glycogen, use that as energy. Yeah, cool. Mm. Simple. It's going to do it either way. Your body knows what it's doing. You can't trick or hack your biology as well as, you, as, well as, as, well as people will try and fool you into thinking you can. Because you can't,
0: mate. Hundred percent. It's like when people say, or the studies like, oh yeah, look, look. If I go on a high fat diet like keto um, or something similar to that, then my body burns higher amounts of fats. Yes, it burns higher amounts of dietary fats. Doesn't mm-hmm. the ha- fat burn high, the fat you're eating, not the high amount, the fat that you're actually holding on your body. So both essentially are looking at a similar amount of fat loss. But I look at it like this, right? what's a diet that you're going to stick to the longest does it include mm-hmm. carbs and fats in it. Yes, it does. Then let's stick on that diet, which is, you know, including them in our diet and staying inside a calorie deficit, making sure we hit that protein goal that we talked about um, earlier as well. And I think, you know, the, the last thing also when we're looking at cutting out a food group, as far as the myth, The biggest problem I see with this and why the myth needs to be busted is because if you're living your life trying to stay away from a certain food group, generally when you're out and about, you can't control your um, environment and you're at a friend's house, you're out for dinner or you're at a work lunch and it has just carbohydrates or it doesn't have keto friendly meals or whatever it is. And then you do eat those carbs. Uh, then you start to feel like you've blown your diet and then it leads to like this binge restrict kind of uh, mentality like ah stuffed it so then we just go all in on stuffing it when really in the reality is if you can have those carbohydrates inside your nutrition um, and we don't blow it we just track it um, then it allows you to stick to your diet for longer allows you then to not blow out your calories and you'll actually get the results you're looking for and I think that's why that myth must be busted um yeah. next one is you've got to eat as little as possible and i think um you know this comes down to like all the shake diets out there um you know i i get a lot of guys who've started with us they were on the man shake and they you know they lost a little bit of weight and they just completely stopped and there's a couple of reasons why it's like you know i i do i i, I am in two minds about this as well mate mm. like the, i think you know, you never saw people in the concentration camps when they were eating really little with high amounts of body fat. They just weren't. So you can eat small amounts of food and lose fat mass, but you're going to lose muscle mass at the same time. So that's why, again, I harp on about mass. I make sure we eat enough protein, but also make sure we're not eating too little. So like they're on the shake diets or the man shake Monday to Friday. And because they ate so little, you know, they get to the weekend and they they go from zero to hero as far as the amount of calories they're eating and their weekly deficit gets blown and it's not a maintainable diet. And that's the actually the only problem I have with it. You can go for, I believe you can go for uh, spurts in a very low calorie diet. Um, I do believe this myself without it ruining your metabolism or anything like that. But I don't believe someone should just go on super low cows. If one, they don't have a coach, two, they're not having enough protein. And three, they don't have a, a time frame they're going to go through this for because it's mm-hmm. like, this is where I am. This is my time frame. I can stick to it. Then I can increase my calories to more of a maintenance style calories. There was a study out there. It was called the Matador study. It was like a little bit more calorie deficit. They had brief intermissions of a uh, calorie maintenance. And it does, it did give psychological, um, I guess when we're on a low-calorie diet and then we get to go to maintenance, psychologically, okay, we're going to hammer it for six weeks and then I get a bit of a break. Hammer it for six weeks, get a bit of a break rather than constantly dieting. So there is some pros as far as going on calorie deficits, but the problem is most people don't do them right and they just mm-hmm. start eating small amounts of carrots and celery and salads and a couple of man shakes, which have got like 18 to 22 grams of protein in them. They have like two of them a day. Their protein is not around, it has to be up around two grams of protein per kilo on around that very, um, the very low calorie diets. They're nowhere near two calorie, two grams of protein per kilo. So muscle mass is wasted and then we can't stick to it. We feel like shit. And we end up being that skinny fat version of, of ourselves. And that's again, not what we want. So sustainable dieting is what we actually want. And that's my thoughts around, um, the myth of eat as little as you can
1: yeah and the shake diets they popularize it because it's 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 easy right and it i would say this dovetails kind of into the idea of intermittent fasting that um a lot of people think yeah it's something that you have to do to lose weight it is a lifestyle choice that if you can stick to it and if you can utilize it uh is a very effective tool now for me if i um just created a diet right i've been pretty much the same breakfast i'm gonna i'm gonna pitch something to you right um if i i eat pretty much the same breakfast every single day um, not because I have to, not because I'm forced to, but because I enjoy it and it's super high protein, but I'm going to call it the, uh, I'm going to call it the Yopro diet. Uh, so Yopro gains diet. So sponsored. every morning is spot- yeah. hashtag sponsored. Yeah. Yopro sponsor me. I swear to God, I'll shill the shit out of you. Um, every day I have a, like a serve of Yopro. I put in some kind of, um, crunchy. So usually it's like all brand to get my, my fiber up, but also just adds a bit of texture, right? Texture is important. Frozen berries and uh, a scoop of protein powder pretty much have that every morning Um, it's like 50 grams of protein It's, it's you know maybe 40 grams of carbs bugger all fat it just gives me a really good start to the day it's filling um it's got a bit of fiber it's got vitamins and minerals from the you know from the berries so you know hashtag health um but that is my breakfast every morning not because i feel like i have to not because i'm forced to but because i enjoy it i could have this for breakfast every single day for the rest of my life that doesn't make it a diet that doesn't make it the best thing for everyone to do but it is something that for me is a lifestyle choice that works. If you enjoy having a man shake or even like a protein smoothie or something in the morning, you don't have to call it a diet and you don't have to be like, oh, I'm forced. This is the thing. There will be still times where I either have nothing or I might have a, uh, you know, some eggs on toast or whatever. That's basically be the only two things I tend to have for breakfast. There might be times when I do that and that's okay. But just because you do something every single day doesn't mean that's the only way it has to be. It doesn't mean that it's a diet. doesn't mean that it's the most effective. But if you enjoy it, And it works for you awesome cool no problem with it my only criticism probably similar to Trav, is i would probably get a bit more protein in there if you can i'd blend it up in a smoothie with some some like some fiber and some um uh, some extra protein would be my recommendation but apart from that no issue with it but the other issue with going on very low calorie diets is you tend to not have the energy to train hard and you tend to not have the energy to push hard enough and this there's actually been studies that show that people who tend to eat closer to maintenance will burn more calories in a training session because they have more energy. So when you go to a very, very low calorie diet, yeah, as, as Trav said as well, it's very fatiguing mentally to be like you, cause you're basically starving. You're constantly thinking about food. You're like, fuck, when can I eat again? I'm getting so hungry. I'm only on like 900 calories a day. All right. Do I have one big meal? Do I have two small meals? Oh, what do I do? Oh shit. Like, and it's hard. It is, it is, Grating as someone who was on a pretty much a consistent calorie deficit for two years, it takes its toll. And then there is a level of rebound after that that is like, all right, now I can eat more. I'm just going to eat, I'm going to binge, I'm going to, you know, smash it. So, if you are eating, like you want to eat as much as you can and still lose weight, it's called minimum effective dose, right? You want to have a, as little of a calorie deficit as possible that allows you to lose body fat because that's going to give you mental space because, oh, guess what? I can fit a cheeseburger in every now and then. I can have a bit of pizza or I can have a beer and it's not going to affect me. Mentally, that makes you a hell of a lot better. And then guess what? Over time, all right, maybe I can probably have those things less frequently because I know the trade-off for them. And you know, as your calories get lower, or as you get smaller, physically smaller, so you require less energy you might not be able to fit those things in and that's okay but you've got that room to play with whereas if you go um you know it's like throwing your your best uh you know your best fielder out there your best um your best batter straight up and it gets bowled before you know before anything's had a chance to warm up you want to save your tricks and save your adjustments for a little bit later in the process otherwise you just end up burning the bridge initially you're going way too hard way too fast you don't have the energy to train hard. You don't have the energy to keep it up consistently. And you're like, fuck, this is terrible and exhausting as opposed to some of the dads I've been talking to, I've been coaching, they've been getting great results. He's like, man, I'm fuller than I was before purely because he's mm. choosing better food, but he's eating yes. less calories. And it's, he's like, I didn't realize I could actually diet like this. I didn't realize I could feel full and feel good and enjoy the food that I'm eating. And I think the, the other thing is some people just don't know how to fucking cook. They don't know how to flavor food. And that's why they think that dieting is a, is such a hard chore sure. because they eat shit.
0: Mate, I completely agree. And go, touching on intermittent fasting a little bit, because it's something that actually comes up a lot. Um, it's like, I have to be an intermittent fast to lose weight. It's like, well, no, you don't. Um, Intimate fasting or intermittent eating, whichever way you look at it, it's popularized by the 16-8 method, which is you fast for 16 hours a day, you eat inside an eight-hour window. Um, so say you eat between 12 p.m. and 8 p.m. each day. All it actually does, yeah, it stabilizes blood sugar levels a little bit. here um, might be a very, very small percentage increase in growth hormone, but all it really does is it gives you a smaller window to eat calories. And that's the biggest benefit of it. So when I go into calorie deficits for myself, I go out of maintenance, go into a deficit. I'll choose intermittent fasting because all I do is I cut out breakfast and all of a sudden I just cut out 400 calories a day and I eat the same lunch. I eat the same snack in the afternoon. I eat the same dinner. Um, and all of a sudden I just go into my deficit by changing one thing. I go into deficit for four weeks, go into deficit for eight weeks, intermittent fasting. And then i'll come out of it and it was just a, a very minor change my dinner stayed the same my lunches stayed the same and all i did was cut my breakfast and i cut out essentially you know 2800 to 3000 calories a week which is about half a half kilo of fat a week and I, I got my goals by intermittent fasting but it wasn't as by calorie restriction i just used the tool of intermittent fasting to deploy the principle of calorie restriction so mm. i think it's just understanding methods and principles Principles always that uh, calorie deficit to get the results we're after. That actually moves us into the next myth, which is, Hey, dude, you just said intermittent fasting, eating like two or three meals a day can help fat loss. Um, I got told that I need to eat six meals a day. Um, you know, we need is stroke me freak- the metabolism. Exactly. I need to stroke that metabolism to get it up and running. You know, if I eat more food and eat more meals often increases the metabolism. I think this study, I believe it was in the late nineties when it came out, or maybe it was the early nineties, probably early nineties to be honest. Um, what they looked at is the, the thermic effect of food. So every time, like when you eat food, there is a thermic effect of food. Your metabolism increases um, when you eat because it has to break it down um, through digestion. Protein has a higher thermic effect of food than um, the fats and the carbohydrates. That's why we lean also to slightly higher protein diets. And also it's more satiating. But what they looked at this is about average of about 10% thermic effect of food. So if I eat six meals a day, then what happened is the metabolism went up six times. And they're like, wow. So if we eat more often six to eight times a day, your metabolism will go up six to eight times a day, which means you're going to burn more calories, which helps you lose weight. The thermic effect of food is done by um, <laughs> when we're looking at it it's done by the total quantity of calories throughout the day so it doesn't matter if you ate two nine hundred calorie meals you know or, or six three hundred calorie meals um, or three four hundred and you know what is it was it seven hundred six hundred Six hundred calorie meals. Geez, my math is not strong right now. Um, three, six hundred calorie meals. If we look at, it, they all total to eighteen hundred calories. So your thermic effective food is one hundred and eighty calories for the day that you would burn. It doesn't matter if you do six, three, two. They all have a similar fat loss benefit, providing the macronutrient ratio was similar, and uh, you know inside each of those meals, whether it be six, three, or two. The only difference I would say is if you're looking to truly put on lean muscle mass, then we want to have, you know, essentially optimal protein intake every four hours. So that would be for ideal protein synthesis protein synthesis to gain lean mass. And that's like, you could have a shake in the morning, you can have lunch at 8am, 12pm, 4pm, 8pm, right? So that's every four hours, we're getting about 30 grams of protein in, and that's optimal for lean mass gain. Um, but we're looking at fat loss, man, go for two meals a day, a couple of my guys do one meal a day, just because that fits their lifestyle. Some mm-hmm. of them do four, some do five, but what it is... It's what fits your lifestyle. So context, as you said earlier, context matters. The rule doesn't apply for everyone. Intermittent fasting works for me sometimes, it doesn't work for other people. You know, one meal a day works for some people, six meals a day works for others. Low carb works for some, high fat works for others. It is all up to the individual for uh, us as a coach to determine what their constraints are and what tool or how to actually make sure them to adhere to the protocol, which is the calorie deficit to achieve the result, which is fat loss that they're after.
1: Yeah, because some people will be hungry at different times of the day. And this is one of the reasons why I think that six meals a day tends to get perpetuated is people who try it. And I mean, number one, you're just fucking thinking about food all day long. That's like a meal every two hours. You finish eating a meal, you're, you're, you're got, in the next hour, you've got to think about prepping and eating the next meal, the next snack. Oh, you, never, you never hit at that critical mass point of food in your stomach to signal that your body is full. So you think, oh, I'm stroking metabolism because every couple hours I'm hungry. Well, that's because number one, you're not eating enough generally. Um, number two, your body does get to, to a rhythm where it starts to expect food at certain times. You know, if you eat a certain amount each time at every day and you eat similar amounts at certain times, your body's going to start to expect food at those times naturally. So if you go a little bit longer, oh my God, I'm so hungry. Yeah, my metabolism must be on fire. No, it's just because that's normally when you eat lunch, bro. For real. And they think that hunger is a sign of the metabolism, you know, boosting or burning or whatever, but you never, you never get full enough and you're just constantly snacking, which does tend to promote, like snacking behavior tends to promote, um, it's like less favorable from a blood sugar and, um, and uh, insulin resistance perspective, because you're just constantly spiking your blood sugar, constantly increasing that insulin, um, reducing your insulin sensitivity. And you know, over time, people who snack and remain in a calorie surplus constantly that is one of the things that leads to diabetes because you're constantly spiking your blood sugar you're constantly releasing that insulin into your system rather than giving yourself a bit of a space for your body to digest have a break blood sugar levels to come back down to normal then eat food again get another spike get another release so i would say that it's probably more like i would say it's more likely to be actively detrimental to eat try and eat six meals a day to quote unquote stroke the metabolism um, so if you have heard that, that, you know, think about it, it's, it's visceral, um, combine those six meals into three, just double them up, right? Just say, I'm eating six meals, but I just eat two of them at once. Hey, you know, mentally works, works better for you. But that, um, that's a myth that's been around for so long. That really needs to go away. The idea that, that meal frequency has any real impact on, especially fat loss um, is, is such a, it's such an old myth, but you know, there are, there are always new people coming into the industry. There are always new people who are starting their fitness journeys and they're, they're going down the rabbit holes that to be honest, a lot of us went down in the initial stages around the, the, Dude. you know, low fat and the, the car backloading and all the other different crap that you get, um, when you first get into the, to, into the industry. So don't feel bad if you've you know, gone into any of these and you're like, oh, you know, they're making fun of this, but I did this and it, you know, it kind of worked for me. It's like, it's all well and good. We all did this kind of stuff, but now that you know, a little bit better, it's time to sort of look for the, the, the more sustainable and the more uh, practical options for a lot of people.
0: Mate, a hundred percent. I think I look at it like this. Well, three meals a day is 21 meals a week. You know, if we, if we have six meals a day, it's 42 meals a week. So if I'm looking at it, if I'm only eating three meals a day, it gives me less choices on a daily basis to fuck up so (laughs) like at the end of the day if I'm choosing to eat less meals and I'm going three meals a day then I have less decision fatigue I, I don't have to rely on willpower less it's going to be easier for me to stick to my my protocol so I think that is one of the big reasons I look at it as well you now there's two more myths left. I want to talk about you can't out exercise a poor diet. People were just like, "Yeah, man, I'm not going to diet. I'm just going to train as hard as I possibly want." Um, you know, and you can't. Like I did a video, to multiple videos over the last like 20 years. Um, And one was like, you know, eating a double quarter pounder meal whilst running, I think about 10 to 12 Ks an hour on a treadmill. And, you know, the time it took me to eat the double quarter pounder meal, which was 800, 900 calories, you know, I I ran, I think a kilometer and I was one about to vomit at the same time, um, as doing that, I was vomiting literally as I was, um, about to smash down this quarter pounder, but two, I'm eating like eight, 900 calories. And then at the same time I burnt like 30 calories. Mm. So when we look at it it's so easy to over consume calories and it's so hard to out train them, um, that we don't we shouldn't uh, equate fat loss with training. We need to incorporate uh, equate dieting. Remember, we diet to lose fat, we train to preserve muscle. If I can just drill that into your mind, that's the biggest thing I look at because it's not about you can just you can't out exercise a poor diet, you can't do it for fat loss.
1: Yeah. It's a hell of a lot easier. And then my favorite one is it's a hell of a lot easier to not eat 200 calories than it is to burn 200 calories. There's zero effort that has to go into just not eating the 200 calories, but the idea of eating the calories and then using like out training them like don't get me wrong the idea of all right i'm gonna have a i'm having a big night you know it's a wedding it's a it's an event it's a, a special occasion i'm just gonna have a little you know i'm gonna have whatever's on the menu i'm not gonna think about it okay cool and then as a result i might you know i might go for an extra run tomorrow right that's a different story than the idea and and that's that's an idea of you know more lifestyle balance right like i know that we're going to be relatively inactive in this period so i want to make sure i'm not going to eat a a shit ton right that's that's when you get to that level of lifestyle maintenance that's a different story than saying i'm going to out train and just kind of eat whatever i want and go on a dirty bulk because let me tell you there's a reason a dirty bulk is a dirty bulk you just end up gaining a shit ton of fat and then you'd go to lose it and you lose all the muscle that you gained with it because you, you haven't done anything effectively so the idea of out training is is it It's very difficult to burn enough like most people and there was actually a podcast I listened to recently which talked about the idea of there's there's almost a compensatory effect of training like there's a maximum amount of calories that you can actually burn in training um, before your body starts to Take those that sort of that calorie burn away during your rest. so let's say at rest like a day at rest you burn let's say you burn 1800 calories just, just as an example um, and let's say you when you train you burn or you, you move, you go for a run whatever you burn about 200 calories right so it total's about 2,000. What, what they're saying is that there's the threshold for people. Where if you went over the top of that, let's say you try, you went, I'm just going to fucking smash myself today. And let's say you thought you burned and let's say you have a wristwatch that tells you, yeah, I burnt 2,400 calories. So I burnt an extra um, 600 calories today instead of the 200. Let's say I did that. That extra 400 that you burnt is actually only going to be about like 200, 250 maybe. Because your body's then got to recompensate for that. Because if you think from an evolution perspective, you go out, you hunt a saber-toothed tiger, you know, you got to run, you got to, you know, fight it, right? You got to burn a shit ton of calories in order to get that food. It doesn't make sense for your body to say, oh, that was a hell of a lot of extra calories you burned. Oh, well. Um, it, it wants to recompensate for that at when you're at rest because it's like, well, I want us to be in a net calorie surplus because hey, we're in starvation. We've got to fucking find and forage and hunt for food all the time. It doesn't make sense for every single time you go for an intense bout of movement that is just pure calorie burn. So the more you train, you actually do tend to get a bit of diminishing returns in the amount of calories that you burn, whether it's at rest or even in the training session itself. So you can 't you just physically cannot out train that diet because your body naturally wants to put on weight it wants to retain it wants to retain its body fat stores because it wants to store them up for winter because you know we 're we're in a, a space of abundance of we can have it 's so easy to overeat right. now, and our bodies are not prepared for it um, mentally or physically to deal with this much abundance of food that 's why mentally you have to prepare for it and you have to be ready for it. And that means paying attention to your diet and not just because it's a hell of a lot easier just to, oh, I'll train really hard and not care about what I eat. You know, I know like three people in the world that can do that. And they're I, already rigs.
0: I, I would say the only way I could do that is last Sunday when I did this Spartan challenge for the boys, <laughs> yeah. I was doing it for 12 hours and 56 kilometers. And I burnt about six and a half thousand calories over that 12 hours And, you know, I consumed about a hundred calories and a thousand calories in liquids. Like I, if I did that every day, a hundred percent, I could probably eat anything I wanted to eat. (laughs) But it's like. You tell me someone who actually one could do that for for uh, uh, seven days a week and do the fifty-six kilometers. Um and they couldn't one, they can't do that. And two, it's not really that would be your life. You've got nothing else to do. And but if we do look at this, like the Iron Cowboy, um, James Lawrence, I think it was, he did I think it was like fifty-two um Ironman's in fifty-two days. Um and like he was trying to suck in as many calories as he possibly could because you know, when you're expending that many, energy, that much energy and you're doing an Iron Man a day, yeah, for sure. You probably can out train a bad diet. But when we're looking at 99.9%, probably 0.99% of the population, they're training like three, maybe four hours a week. Um, and that three to four hours a week and sitting on their ass in front of their computer, um, you know, doing their office job during the day, maybe hitting 8,000 steps, maybe 10,000 steps. There is no way they can out train a bad diet. I think for us, mate, that is the myths episode busted. So I'm hoping that, you know, yeah, exactly. I'm hoping that everyone out there listening today um but learned something, understood a bit more about the myths and why they are myths. And from this, you can take forth your knowledge, hit your protein content, make sure we're dieting to lose fat and training to preserve muscle mass, not go low carb, low fat, just do what is in the context that best suits you. And as always, if you need coaching, if you want some help, you want to talk about what's holding you back with the results, go to fit-dad.club, book in a call with us and let's have a bit of a chat and see you know, how to get your results once and for all. And you can go to our free Facebook group or reach out to Jace or me on Facebook or Instagram. We can help you out. You got anything else to say, Jace? Oh, Don't forget, Jazz, you can tell them what they need to do now.
1: Yeah, leave a five star rating and review, and share the podcast with anyone who you think could benefit from it. We're here to help dads; that's what we do. So if you know anyone, or you're married to one, share it to him, and uh, we'll we'll help you out. You know, we'll help him out. I've had a, already had a couple of people that have shared it with their husbands, and and um, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, if you have any mates, anyone that you think would uh, benefit, just uh, share it and let us know, and um, give us some ideas for anything future that you want covered, or anything any burning questions that you have, shoot them through, and we'll be bound to uh, to cover them because we want to know what you want to hear.
0: Exactly. All right, guys. Peace out. See you on the next episode. See you, Jason. Take care.